This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. I wonder how many of us really understands that conformity is a form of slavery. It is far easier, at least we think, to do what others do, to go along with the crowd in order to be accepted. It is far easier to swim with the stream than to stand up and to stand out, than to swim against the current. I know this is a special problem with teenagers. I've read some statistics that have explained that the major reason for teen suicide and for alcoholism and for drug addiction is that most young people are conformists. Now, of course, marketing executives and commercial producers, they know that, they understand that, and they gear their advertising accordingly. They, of course, will tell us that you're not okay until you drive a certain car or wear certain designer clothes, or do this or do that. And the problem is that not only the non-Christian world fall in that trap, but the Christians get trapped in that kind of trick. And yet the Scripture again and again emphasizes how important it is for the believer to stand out, not to conform to the world, and not to live by the world's standard, that even if to be alone, it is better for the Christian than to conform. We don't like to be alone. We don't like to stand up. We'd rather follow the standards of the world than wanted to change the standards of the world. One time Harry Truman was asked about public opinion polls and political life and under political leadership. And Mr. Truman, who was not known for mincing words, said the following, What would Jesus Christ have preached if he had taken a poll in Israel? Where would the Reformation have gone if Martin Luther had taken a poll in Germany? It isn't the polls of public opinion of the moment that count. It is the right and the wrong in leadership. Men with fortitude, honesty, and belief in the right that makes epochs in the history of the world. That this is the kind of men and women that God is looking for in these last days to do great and mighty things for God. Not the kind of men who want to lick their finger, lift it up in the air, and see which way the wind is blowing, and then follow that direction. God is looking for men and women who are ready to stand up and pay the price and pay the cost and do what God wants to do and stand for what is right regardless of the consequences. According to Psalm 1, the ability not to conform is what brings ultimate blessing. Blessed is the man who does not walk. Blessed is the man who does not stand. Blessed is the man who does not sit. Psychology tells us and emphasizes the power of positive thinking. God is emphasizing the power of negative thinking. Happy is the man who does not do these things. Does not walk, does not stand, nor sit in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man who is marked by what he does not do. Blessed is the man who is known for the books that he does not read. Blessed is the man who is known for the places that he does not go to. Blessed is the man be known for the people with whom he would not associate. 
Blessed is the man who does not, does not, does not. You see, happiness and blessing is not discovered in the circumstances. Blessings is not found in what you are and where you are in life. Blessings is not found in another person. Listen, any other person is a flesh and every flesh will let us down sooner or later. Blessings does not come from keeping up with the Joneses by bucking the system. You know, I hear young people say, oh, when I get old, I'll be happy. And I hear old people, oh, when they're old, they say, oh, I wish I'd be young again. Single people said, oh, if we only get married, we'll be happy. Oh, and only have children, we're going to be happy. And when the children hit the teen years, they said, oh, we can't wait for them to go to college. <laughs> Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is the young man. Blessed is the young woman who does not walk, stand, or sit in the counsel of the ungodly. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with the marital status. It has nothing to do with the position in life. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. Blessing comes from doing these things. You see, conformity goes from bad to worse. Because you want something else and something else and something else. It doesn't stop there. That's the first step. And then the next thing you find yourself standing with the ungodly. And before long, you're sitting with them. You're defending their position. You are one of them. You know, I heard the story that really illustrated this to me. Of people who constantly, instead of listening to the voice of God, obeying God. And with Martin Luther say, here I stand. But always want to do what other people tell them to do. This man in Philadelphia started a fishing business. And he opened a wonderful store, big store. And he had a sign outside that says, fresh fish for sale today. And then in the opening day, he invited all his friends and they came over and they began to celebrate the opening of the shop. And one friend said to him, he said, "Uh, why today? Of course it is today, not yesterday or tomorrow. Just take today out. He said, okay. So he took today out. Well, then another friend came by and he said, now why for sale? Of course you have a shop and the shop sells. So take for sale out. So he took for sale out. And another friend came and complained and said, not why fresh? Your integrity communicates that. We know that you always sell fresh fish. Take fresh out. So he took fresh out. Finally, he ended up with the word fish. And then another friend came and said, why do you have fish outside? Just take it out. You can smell it two blocks away. You see, when you are outside of the will of God in your spiritual walk, you are going to be misled and misguided and you're going to follow anybody. And you're going to listen to ungodly advice and ungodly wisdom. It's easy for you to be misled. It takes one step. And you say, well, it's not very harmful. And before you know it, you're sitting with the ungodly. Who are the ungodly? Most people think when you talk about the ungodly, you're talking about the bank robbers or the criminals or the people who are committed big crimes. No, the scripture says all you need to do to be ungodly is leave God out of your life. You can be a very moral person and ungodly. You can be a churchman and ungodly. All it takes, leave God out of your life. There are moral people who are without God. All you need to do to be ungodly is just leave God out of your life. 
You'll be highly desirable, highly acceptable, highly respectable in society. You are on top of every invitation list of all the high-class society, and you are ungodly. You see, you don't have to do all the religious things to be godly. You can sing in the choir and, and do all these religious things and still ungodly. And Paul said, from such, run, get away, escape, don't hang around them. Because sooner or later they will impact you. It will begin by walking. And the next thing you're standing and ultimately you're sitting. You see, there are only two groups of people in the scripture. There is no third. Examine the scripture. Look at the Bible. Read it carefully. There is the godly and the ungodly. There is the wheat and the tear. There is the light and the darkness. There is the sheep and the goat. There are those with Christ and those against Christ. There's nobody in the middle. Nobody neutral. There's no middle ground in the scripture. Do you want to know if you are godly or not? I ask myself this question. Do I confess Jesus Christ publicly to my friends, to my neighbors? Do I proclaim him in my life? Do I let them know that he is my only Lord, my only Savior? Do I fellowship with God? Do I fellowship with the people of God? Or church is a drag for me. Do I spend adequate time on a daily basis with God in intimate relationship with Him and reading His Word, pouring my heart over His Word? Do I involve God in every decision that I make, no matter how small it may be? Do I give of my substance to the house of God or do I spend it on myself? Do I serve the Lord with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind? Or am I working so hard seven days a week that I'm only giving God the crumbs that lift overs? Do I see to it that my children not only adequately taken care of materially, but are they instructed in the word of God and in the whole counsel of God? That's how you know if you're godly. Children today know more about the latest pop song than Psalm 1. No wonder the psalmist said, the ungodly are not so. The ungodly are miserable people because they leave God out of the life. I don't know about you. You might be a person who had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ at one stage. Sometime ago, your life was sweet and victorious. Maybe there was a time when you had triumph in your soul and smile on your face, but not now. Why? Why is your song has turned into a sob? Why has your smile become a smirk? Why has your laughter has become sarcasm? You never intended for it to go this way, but what happened, you began by walking. And then you became standing, and then you're sitting in the midst of it. It is easy to take that first step. It is easy for all of us. What dragged you from the Lord? What dragged you from there? Was it the wealth and the prestige? Was it the power? Was it the climbing of the social ladder? Is it fear that people might reject you and not be accepted in society? What made you walk with the ungodly? What made you stand with the ungodly? What is making you sit with the ungodly? And I pray that you will turn around today because that has not brought you any happiness. I'm sure it's not. Is the company of the ungodly worth it? No, of course not. You see, Christians don't fall in transgression just like that. Not overnight. It doesn't happen that way. 
They allured so gradually, so subtly. First they walk, then they stand, and then ultimately they're sitting with the ungodly. The first step away from God and God's people is a step toward ungodliness. It begins with walking with them. It begins with accepting relativism by accepting that there are no absolutes in this day. It begins with saying, as a minister friend of mine who was once turned for fire for God and today he doesn't believe anything that he preached many years ago who said, Jesus never condemned anybody. And I made the mistake of saying, you must be reading the wrong Bible because he said, I don't read any Bible anymore. You know what happened to him? He started by walking. And in a matter of a few years, he was standing. And now he's sitting in the council of the ungodly, accepting their lifestyle, abandoning altogether any room for the authority of the word of God that once he proclaimed. And all along, as I told him that God says, I love you, he loves you, He may not be able to look because his eyes are purer than to look upon your sin, but he loves you and he wants you to come back. Listen to me very carefully. Sin is not what I say. Sin is not what they say. Sin is what God said. And that is why in the institutional church, before they legislated sin, they began 30 years ago by saying, this book is not the word of God. That this book is not relevant. That this book is culturally speaking to the people of the past and has no relevance to us today. And within a matter of a generation, now they have legislated for sin. I want to tell you something else. That's exactly what happened in this nation. In a matter of 30 years, it's one generation. We started by walking, then we're standing, and now we're sitting. We threw prayer out of school. We took the Ten Commandments out of the courts and we said they are not constitutional. And now we're asking ourselves, why is all this drugs, all this murder, what's all this happening in our cities? I'll tell you what has happened. It began by walking and then standing and now we're sitting. Before long, their godless theology begins to work in your heart and begins to work in your head and before long you begin to defend their position. I've seen it happen so many times. It is so strong and so powerful. I am called of God to warn you as well as feed you the word of God. But I know the moment you start walking with the ungodly, the first sign of your walking with the ungodly is that you resent warning. You don't like it because it is easy to go from walking to standing to sitting. And it's so gradual. You walk, then you stand, and then you find yourself sitting Who are the scornful that the psalmist is talking about? The scornful are the doctors of damnation. Those who proclaim that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. Those who tell you that conscience is nothing more than a primitive leftover. The scornful are those who make mockery of the statues of the Lord. The scornful are those who scorn the divinity of Christ. And if you are there, sitting there, you'd say, well, I never intended to go so far. Nobody ever does. Well, I only thought I could walk. Of course, he didn't use those words. But then I'm finding myself standing, and now I'm sitting in doubt, and I'm sitting in despair. 
It is never too late. The Lord is opening His arms for you to come and return to Him. He loves you. His Son died for you. And what this Psalm, Psalm 1 is telling us is this, that we must say no to sin. We must say no to conformity and say yes to Jesus. The word no is the most powerful word in the English language. It's the smallest word. It's the most powerful word. Adam was created a brilliant man, a bright man. But because he did not know how to say no, he got us all in a mess. He lost his home. He lost paradise. He lost the privilege of fellowshipping with God. By contrast, Joseph, when he was lured by Potiphar's wife, he said no. And he was blessed to be the prime minister of Egypt. You want to live a blessed life? Learn to say no. Mothers and dads, you want to raise blessed children? Learn to say no. But when they come to you and say, oh, but daddy, all kids are doing this and all the kids are going this, still say the answer is no. And don't get tired of saying it. Young men, young women, are you hearing me? You'll be blessed of God when you learn to say no to the myriads of temptations that are facing you every day. Now this psalm in the Word of God said that the difference between those who say yes and those who say no is this. Those who say no to conformity and to sin and to the counsel of the ungodly are like a tree. It is planted by the streams of living water. Those who say yes to conformity are like a handful of chucks. They toss out in the wind. The hogs even wouldn't eat it. Think about a tree, a beautiful tree. It is planted, which means it was placed by divine will. You are where you are by divine will. And the streams of water are the endless supply by God of all your needs. Do you know how to kill a tree? The best way to kill a tree is move it around every 10 days. Get it in the front yard, and then the next thing, no, it won't work, put it back in the backyard, and then, no, 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 get it by the side of the house, and then this side of the house, and just move it around a few times. And before long, it's as brown as dirt. Because it never stayed somewhere to dig roots and produce fruits. And if God has placed you somewhere, stay there. Let the roots sit there. If God is calling you out from somewhere, get out of there. But where you go, dig your roots. Be there by divine appointments and bear fruit for God. But don't sit on the fence and murmur and criticize. Get out. Get in. Do whatever you want to do. Ask God to lead you. Christian life is not a psychotic or neurotic fancy, as some people would have you believe. It is not weak emotional moment. The Christian life is not sensation, it's not sentiment. Life in Christ is the real thing. It has roots, it has divine health, and you are not living until you discover it. And my prayer, if you have not known it today, that you would know it. You want to hear what is emotional? To live without joy, to live without love, to live without peace, to live without hope, that's emotional. 
I'll tell you what is emotional. It is to watch your marriage rot away one day at a time. I tell you what is emotional is to see sin dividing your family and tearing them apart. That is emotional. I tell you what else is is not emotional. It is not emotional to stand in the congregation of God praising God and give Him honor and glory unashamedly of the foolishness of the gospel. But I tell you what is emotional is not taking notice of a day that is coming called the day of judgment. When all the scornful will stand before God's judgment bench. Will stand before the judge. There'll be no clever lawyers there to bail you out. There'll be no loopholes in the law to exempt you. Only God sitting on the bench in the day of judgment. And as you come in, the angel will come and open the book of life. What's your name? Smith. Jack Smith. Oh yes, you have lived a life that is godly. You kept God in your life. You honored God in your life. You were like a tree. You did not walk. You did not stand. You did not sit. Your life was like a tree by the streams of the living water. Come, enter into the joy of your Lord. And He'll take you into heaven. And then if you come in and you give Him your name, and your name is not there, the angel will lead you into the abyss that the Scripture calls hell. And Jesus said, whom the liberals say never condemned anybody. Never talked about sin. Listen to what he said about hell. He said that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't let them mislead you. Don't let them misguide you. I tell you, that is emotional. If you keep ignoring the voice of God, the angel will take you to the place where Jesus said that the worms do not die and the fire never quenched. You might sit there and say to yourself, Oh, I wish I'd listened to that loud-mouthed preacher in Atlanta, Georgia, when he preached from Psalm 1. But that's not going to help you. Why will you stubbornly postpone your salvation? Why will you not come with your godly and loving parents into heaven? Why will you not come with your godly and loving children into heaven? Why will you not come with those who love the Lord? God is opening his hand to you. God is calling you. Whether you really like those words or not, I believe that the Holy Spirit is pointing his finger to you and saying, you turn to the Lord. You who have known the Lord and the fellowship and the joy of walking with him, you have been walking with the ungodly. You have been standing with the ungodly. You have been sitting with the ungodly for too long. Get up. Leave, and he's stretching his arm to receive you. Father God, your boundless love, your inexhaustible mercy, your abundance grace overwhelms us. And Father, I do pray for these individuals and others who have submitted in their heart to you who have returned from the wilderness. In Jesus' name, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon them and dwell in them and put a hedge of protection so they cannot walk or stand or sit, but live in you day by day.